Hope this will work. Okay, the parish is told out, and the topic is uh, written on the sheet. I'm Esav Chazar B'Tshuva. Esav, the brother of Yaakov, who is uh, well known as a bad, the bad guy. You know, he wears the black shirt, the black pants, and Yaakov is the good guy, of course. So it says, uh, uh, before we get to Esav, I wanted to look at Yishmael. Uh, the end of the life of, or the history of Yishmael is found in the previous parasha, in the parasha of Chayei Sarah, Breshit Perikafei. The end of the parasha, the end of the parasha of Eilu Shnei Chayei Yishmael, Ma'at Shana Ushloshim Shana V'Sheva Shanim, Va'igva Va'yamot Va'yayasef El Amaf. So there are two things in the pasuk. First, the Pasuk tells us the number of years that Yishmael lived, and then the Pasuk says that he died. But it doesn't say that he died. It said, Vayigva Vayamot. Now, the word Vayigva probably also means to die. So he died and he died. Vayigva Vayamot. And of course, uh, Chazal were always interested in that kind of combination of words, like, you know, very, very. Uh, it's hard to say that a person could die very. You die, you're dead, and that's the end of it. So what could vayigvavayamot possibly mean? <laughs> Rashi explains it as follows. Why are we taught the years of Yishmael? How many years Yishmael lived? The assumption, I guess, is that if the Torah tells us how long a good person lived, like Adam Arishon, or Cain, or Hevel, people are important to us, and, and so, so that's part of the story. But what possible reason could there be for the Torah telling us how long Yishmael lived? That's Ravchia's answer that in order to make sure we knew exactly how the years of Yaakov's life were, so the Torah told us the life of Yishmael, and the Rashi explained that in a moment, but the point is that the Rashi's interpretation is, there is no reason to know how many years Yishmael lived, and the only reason that the Torah tells it to us is because there's some other information that is derived from that. And it's the other information that we're really interested in. And that's Shnotav Shal Yaakov. Min Shnotav Shal Yishmael Alamadnu, Shashimesh Yaakov Bebeit Eva Abbas Reishana, Shepiresh Me'aviv, right? Yaakov left his father and went to learn in the yeshiva of Sheva Eva for 14 years, told him Shabbat Lavan. And he did this learning before he got to the house of Lavad. When, when Yaakov left uh, uh, Eretz Yisrael, that's when Yishmael died. That's what the Pesach means, why Yelech Esav El Yishmael. That's the Perik of Megillah. So, uh, there's this 
a whole gaff or half a gaff that's devoted to this question of when Esau, well, I'm sorry, when, ya- when Yaakov went to Lavan, how many years it took him to get there, what he was doing there, and then somehow they connect that to Yishmael. The point for us is that knowledge of the years of Yishmael, according to Rashi, is totally, has nothing to do with Yishmael. It has to do with some other problem that we have. So now if you look at um, the next Rashi, Rashi says, Vayigva. Rashi says, Lo ragriya ela betzadikim. So that if a person, a regular person dies, it says, Vayamot. If a righteous person dies, it might say in the Torah, Vayigva Vayamot. So why? <coughs> so the end of that pasuk, which says, the next pasuk, right, this is like names of places, Nafal must mean that he died. Nafal. He died when everybody else was alive, was still alive. What does that refer to? So we'll look at Rashi. He dwelt. It doesn't mean he died, but it means they dwelt. There's a posuk, a posuk in uh, in Shoftim that says Noflimba Emek. They were they were living in the valley, right? They were living in the valley, not that they would die. Here he uses that verb. The Torah uses the verb Nun Lamed. So that, again, uh, uh, Rashi says there's a hidden meaning here. It's true that the word Nafal means to dwell, <coughs> to live, but it's a word that you use after the death of Abraham when you're your uh, holdings in Eretz Yisrael were not as sturdy because Abraham found out that his children would have to go into exile in Mitzrayim. So their dwelling in Eretz Yisrael was not the same as the dwelling of Avram Avinu. So we're left with this idea. Well, what about this idea of Vayigva? That, that the word Vayigva is only used with the righteous. So does that make Yishmael one of the righteous? Rashi doesn't answer that question. Rashi just says, if you look again, That's what Rashi says. <laughs> Which to me implies that Yishmael was a tzaddik. I mean, how do you know? I mean, what did he do that was so righteous? Rashi doesn't say. But there must be something. So let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban discusses this matter very thoroughly. He is, like you could say, like a more balabatish approach, the Ramban. The Ramban says, well, the reason that the Torah tells us about the life of Yishmael was to show us that even a Yishmael type if he's the son of a righteous man like Avram Avinu, he's probably going to get a good deal, right, in life. 
So that uh, the important thing is to make sure that your father is very righteous. That's the, that's the idea. The law you suffer, you may he says, but it doesn't tell, the Torah doesn't tell us the number of years of Esau in the next parasha, right? First we're talking about Yishmael, now we're talking about Esau, that the Torah does not tell us the number of years that Esau lived, because Esau lived longer than Yaakov, and therefore it would sound like the bad guy got a better deal from heaven than the good guy, so the Torah didn't want to write that. And that's the end. The Torah just told us about the death of Yaakov. And didn't want to give you the impression somehow that Esau is continuing the life of Yaakov. So they, the Torah didn't say anything. That's the pshat. The simple pshat is that the Torah tells you the number of years that the children lived to prove that the children received the blessing from their fathers. But when it would be misleading, and you might think that the children are even better off than the fathers, or better than the older brother who is a tzaddik, so then the Torah might not tell us the number of years. Okay. Uh, then the... the, the um, uh, the Rabban continues and says the last two words on the third line the Gemara however is not satisfied and the Gemara tells us many reasons for listing the life of Yishmael right but it doesn't say the Rabban doesn't say because he was a tzaddik Again, if you ask Rashi, Rashi says, That means, So if there's a good reason to list the number of years that he lived, because he was a tzaddik. <coughs> but the Ramban doesn't go for this. And he explains, You see the word, Rashi, That's what Rashi said. Rashi said that, uh, so that means that Yishmael was a tzaddik. Uvi Gemara, Hikshu, Ra'david, Umabu, Sorry, Dora, Mabu, Nemab, and Gviyat. says, what do you mean? How did the Gemara say that? After all, it's a pasuk, if you look down at uh, the third, uh, the third uh, uh, source, or the second source at the bottom, Breshit, Perik, Zayin, Pasuk, Kavalev, Everything died in the Mabu. What does it say in the Pasuk? What does it say in the Pasuk? So how can you say? How can the Gemara say that every time the Gemara that it says Vayikva in the Torah that it means Sadiqim? All these people died because they were being punished. And the Torah says Vayikva. Question. <laughs> so, what does the Ramban say? The Ramban says, "Kol Hashem Also, another pasuk who mitareks gviad. There, the Gemara says in in Megillah Das Yutzayin, gviad asefa kaamina. 
It's only when gvi'ah, the word gvi'ah, comes with another word, asefa. Tavanatam, the Ramban says, ki agvi'ah ita belo choli, If it says, that means that you died without any pain. Without any pain. According to the Rambam, if a person dies and he has no Yisurim, that means that he also had no obligations that might have led him to, to the punishment of Karek. Because Yisurim are necessary in order to purify certain people. So if you didn't have Yisurim, so you're a tzaddik. A person who dies and without without any pain is a tzaddik. Veins of Hilla Ella Tzadikim, that's what the Ramban says. Vanshay Doraham Abula Afulchim Kimoraga Khalu Bahem Yadai and Simla Anshay Dora Mabul, right? The people who died in the in the in the uh, in the Mabul, in the flood. Hafulchim Kimoraga. They didn't have any pain. They just like drowned right away. The water covered them up and that was the end of it. And they were not attacked by some foreign force. Right? They no stuck knives into them or hit them over the head with hammers. I mean, that's, that's a terrible way to die. They just died. And also the ones who died in the desert. So the Ramban says there are two kinds of gviyah. Gviyah meaning to die. There's gviyah of righteous, which means gviyah plus nesafelamah, plus another verb. Or there's stam gviyah. And gviyah means that, you know, there was pa- it was painless. But it doesn't mean that you were righteous. V'chein hu ish echad lo gavab avono. Another pasuk. Shelo heimitoto avono pitom. Ramban improves on the Rashi. What did Rashi say? Rashi said that this that these words in the Pasuk means that they were tzaddikim. What did the Ramban say? <coughs> what did the Ramban say? Not every gviyah is the death of tzaddikim. Not every gviyah is the death of tzaddikim. And therefore, we're back again to our question about Yishmael. Was he a tzaddik or wasn't he a tzaddik? We don't know. Now look at the Ramban, the rest of the Ramban. The Ramban says, V'lishon b'reshit rabah. Right? The Megrish. It says about Abraham, that's what it says about Ishmael. They would have very, very painful intestinal conditions. And they said that this pain was purifying. It would purify them. 
רבי יהודה אומר, כל מי שנאמרה בו גבייה, מת בכל ימי Anybody about whom it is said גביעה, the word, the verb גביעה is used, means that they were at intestinal difficulties. בשם אמרו בכל אשר בארץ יגווה, יצמוק. יצמוק means like a raisin, right? You died, but you got shriveled up, and that was a bad kind of death. וירש ומילת גביעה אצלם. חמק בשרו, והוא עומד על רגליו. זאת אומרת, וכן דעת אונקולו שתרגם בכאן, ועט נגיד, והוא האילוף, כלשון התנהגות וטווח, יכול ישלם חמישה נגידים. He's talking about that word, ונאמר כן במבול, כמו שאמר, ואימך את כל היקום, that it was like all mushed out, the whole world, ונאמר ואיבה וימות, כגבר יחלש וימות, והיא מיתה בצדיקים. So, again, what did the Ramban, what conclusion did the Ramban come to? That Rashi is wrong, but he's saying something that is correct. In which way is Rashi wrong? Because Rashi says that that he disagrees about. However, the Rabban agrees that that's only by Tzadikim. So both Rashi and the Rabban <coughs> agree that Yishmael was righteous. That Yishmael was righteous. When did he become righteous? And what did he do that made him righteous? That we don't know. But this is all the end of last week's parasha. Now we get to this week's parasha. At the end of the parasha of Toldot, it says the following. Vayishlach Yitzchak et Yaakov, you see it in the Pesukim after the Rambam. Vayishlach Yitzchak et Yaakov, Vayelech Padeh Aram Elavan, Ben Betuel Ha'arami Achi Rivka, Eim Esav, Eim Yaakov Esav. Okay? Rivka had two children, they were twins, Yaakov and Esav. At the end of a very complicated story, Yitzchak sends Yaakov away from home. And he sends him to the house of Lavan. Lavan, uh, Ben Betuel, Lavan was the brother, was Rivka's brother. So he is sending his son Yaakov to the house of his uncle. Right, Bituel, Ben Lavan. That's what it says in the Pasuk. Pasuk Vav, Vayar Esav. Now Vayar always means he understood something. He, something made sense to him. Vayar Esav, Ki Be'ech Yitzchak Et Yaakov. You remember, Esav saw that Yaakov blessed, I'm sorry, that Yitzchak blessed Yaakov. So that's a nice way of saying, that's a nice way of saying that Esav hated Yaakov because Yitzchak gave him the bracha. And Esav did not give up his interest in getting the bracha back or getting a bracha of equal significance, which he was not able to get. 
at the time. So, he understood something that Yitzchak, that uh, Yaakov had the bracha that he wanted. Vishilach oto padena aram, and that he had sent him to padena aram. Vyotlo mi elakachad lo misham isha. The barcho oto. It was according to Esav. According to Esav, there was some kind of a connection between getting the bracha, or the bracha actually coming true, and Yaakov marrying a woman from the family of Bituel, Adena Aram. Bibachoto, Vyitzav, Vyitzav, Alav Lemor, Lotikach Isha, Mibinot Kinah. So all of this somehow just made sense to Esau. The whole thing made sense to Esau. That somehow Yaakov would bring the bracha into actualization by following the directive of his father to marry a girl who lived or lived in Padan Aram from the family of Betuel, the son of Lavan. Esau suddenly understood this. And so, Esau, who was competition, <coughs> was thinking, was, well, what's he going to do? What was he going to do? Obviously, or not obviously, but apparently, Esau could not follow Yaakov. He couldn't run off with Yaakov to Padana Ram and say, me too, maybe you have another sister, but there's another girl, you know, I'll also do it. He couldn't do that. Why couldn't he do that? Because, Pasuk, first Pasuk Zayin, Vashvay Yaakov al-Aviv el-Imov aram The Torah emphasizes that Yaakov, Vashvay Yaakov, even though we know that it wasn't only that Yaakov listened to his parents, but it was also because Esau threatened to kill him. You remember? Remember the Pasuk, if you don't remember the Pasuk from last year, you should remember the Pasuk from this year. Yaakov, Avinu was in mortal danger. Esau wanted to kill him. So you could say maybe Esau wouldn't have killed him while he or his parents were alive. But he clearly intended to kill them. <coughs> but the Pesach says, again, this is, a, this is the way we have to understand it. That Yaakov Avinu was following at Sivui. Just as Avraham Avinu was following at Sivui when he left Eretz Yisrael to go to Mitzrayim. Right? He followed the, he followed the Tzivui to go to uh, Eretz Kedan. Then he felt, he, according to Rashi, felt that he was following the Tzivui because there was a famine. The famine is from God. So if there's a famine in Eretz Yisrael, what's he to do? So he went to Eretz Mitzrayim. And here it says that Yaakov Avinu Yaakov Hino didn't go to Padan Aram because he was afraid of Esau. He went to Padan Aram because his father told him to go. Now you know that his father, <coughs> who was called by Chazal Olat Mima, the perfect sacrifice, right? Olat Mima. Yitzchak Avinu never left Eretz Yisrael. He was going to leave Eretz Yisrael. You remember that there was a famine. And Yitzchak 
Yitzchak, uh, who, who learned in Yeshiva as well, made an obvious kind of tzushtel, it's called. He made an obvious comparison. If my father left Eretz Yisrael when there was a famine, surely I should leave Eretz Yisrael when there was a famine. It's the right thing to do, to follow the way of my father, Avram Avinu. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Yitzchak, don't leave. Right? Then Yitzchak was the one who told Yaakov to leave. <laughs> and the Pesach says that Yaakov did not leave Eretz Yisrael because he was afraid for negative reasons. He left Eretz Yisrael for positive reasons because there was a, a profit motive that he had. He went to Padan Aram in order to get a wife. That's what, that's what, uh, uh, what the Pesukim say. Now, we're up to the last Pasuk in this uh, uh, section. Uh, next to the last. Pasuk Chet. Vayar Eisav Kiraot Benot Kinan Be'enei Yitzchak Aviv. You see? What is Vayar Yitzchak? He understood. Just like Vayar... Sorry, Sikha. Vayar Eisav, he understood. Vayar Eisav previously in Davav, in Pasuk Vav, <coughs> that, that somehow there was a connection between getting the brocha and marrying the right person, the right woman. So Esau finally said to himself, Ayar Esau, that's Pasuk Chet, Kira'ot benot kinan be'nei Yitzchak Aviv. So he chapted. And he chapted that, that uh, as we said, if you come from the house of Lavan and Betuel, so you basically are from the same house as Avram Avinu. So if you did the genetic mapping, somehow, I don't even know what that means, but I can say it. If you did the genetic mapping, then you would find out that there was some connection between Avram Avinu and Lavan and Besuel and Rivka, right? They were all connected. And therefore you would be able to find goodness in the house of Lavan, just as you knew that there was goodness with Avram Avinu. So Yitzchak says to Yaakov, <coughs> you have to do the same thing that I did. Then you have to get a wife that has that genetic mapping. Esau, who was not a geneticist, right, didn't have it. Didn't have it. He, he said, oh, I understand that what Yitzchak said is that you shouldn't marry a woman who's a Canaanite. You shouldn't marry a cat and wonder because that's steeped in Avodah That's also in the Torah, right? In Avodah and in Kamas Eretz Canaan, they were like bad people. So Esau said, Oh, my father Yitzchak, he must be opposed to marrying a Canaanite. So why did he tell Yaakov to go to to uh, Bissuel, to the house of Bissuel? The only address he knew in Chutzlaretz. So where's he going to send him? To the Hollywood Inn or the, uh, whatever you call those hotels. Where did he send him to? So he sent him to his relatives. He had no other relatives. Whereas the correct shot was <coughs> that if you go to the house of Besuel, you'll find, uh, you'll find a genetic makeup in a, in a person that will be superior. And that will continue the, the, the people of Israel, the family, just as Rivka was necessary as a wife for Yitzchak. But Esau made a mistake. I didn't quite understand it. And therefore, we're up to the last Pasuk. Therefore, 
Vayelech Esav El Yishmael. So what did Esav say? <coughs> Who knows? According to Rashi, Yishmael was Chose B'Tshuva. According to the Ramban, Vayikvavayamot. So what did he say? What did Esav say? Mistomer, Yishmael is also in the deal. But of course this was not true. Because Yishmael's mother was genetically unmapped. Whatever you say, genetically. Like she was missing a chromosome. Hagar was missing a chromosome. <coughs> they can't fix that. Yah Yishmael could be Chose Mitshuva. This is like Kaiser. He just misread the whole thing. He said, He could be Chose Mitshuva. But he can't fix everybody else who was in the family. Who was not Chose Mitshuva in those days. You know, one person at the head of the family was Chose Mitshuva. So enough. They didn't, uh, they didn't ask the women to bench. Only Avram Avinu asked the women to bench. But Yishmael didn't ask the women to bench. He said, Well, it doesn't matter. No. So the, the last process of the case of Yishmael, Vayikachlo, at Mochalat Bat Yishmael ben Avraham, you see the stress, Ben Yishmael, Ben Avraham, here's Esau rejuvenating himself, right? He's saying, I'm going to get that Tocha, because I'm going to be able to do the same thing that Yitzchak told Yaakov to do, right? Here in Eretz Israel. Maybe Yitzchak hadn't heard that Yishmael was Chosu Mitshuva. According to Rashi and the Ramban, at the end of the Parsha Chayisar, I mean, we know that, uh, that the Yitzchak was not up on the latest. Whatever Yitzchak was thinking about, he didn't always have the computer on. It wasn't always, he didn't always have the last minute. So, Vayelech Yisavu Yishmael, Yikach Mechlat Bat Yishmael, Ben Avraham, Achot Nevayot, Al Nashav Lola Isha. So the question is, Pakir. So what happened with Esau? I mean, it's true he got the shot wrong, but he married, after all, the daughters of Yishmael. Did that change his position? Did it change his situation? I just want to remind you of the pasuk. You see, Breshit Perik Tedva pasuk Tedva. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to Avraham Avinu, "Atav Tavol Avotecha B'Shalom, Tikaver B'Seva Tova." Shalom. Atav Tavol, Velot Tirekal Eila, meaning you're going to die. You, Avraham Avinu, are going to die. You're not going to see that your children will go to go into exile in Mitzrayim, right? Brit Ben Abitari. El Avotecha. How could Avraham Avinu go El Avotecha? Avotecha is Terach. Terach, as you know, was an idolater. So you wouldn't think that in Olam Abba, Avram and Terach are going to play playing pinnacle together. Unlikely, right? So what does it say? El avotecha avid avid avodizorev hu mivasroji avoyelot. Rashi asked the question, how could there be a kind of chabura in heaven with Avram Avinu and Terach? And I mentioned this Rashi before, so that means how many people have done tshuva? Ah, Terach did tshuva, and uh, Yishmael did tshuva, probably. 
and the case is not in yet on Asaph. Right? We'll see what, what's the case with Asaph. So let's look at the next page. <laughs> on the next page there's a Medrash. I'll look at the Medrash. One second. Here the Medrash has uh, big letters. It says in Sukim Chet and Tet, in that paragraph, Vayar Esav, Kiraot Benot Kinaan. Vayar Esav. Esav understood that there was a problem. And there was a, look, you could say it in this way. It's possible that the Torah invented the idea that you need a mother. It was not obvious. It was not obvious that you needed a mother in the ancient world. It's true you needed a, a kli, needed a vessel that would produce a child. But it wasn't clear that it made a difference who that was. And that the mother, <coughs> in determining the future generations, was at least as important, if not sometimes more important, than the father. And this is a position of the Torah. This is a position of the Torah. I mean, you see very clearly, Avraham could not continue the line of Avraham Avinu with Hagar. It had to be with Sarah. Yitzchak had to have Rivka as his wife. And then you get to Yaakov. Yaakov had four wives. And they were not the same. They were not the same. We'll, we'll, we'll look into that. But this idea that the mother, as a mother, counts is an invention of the Torah. And you know that the Torah goes out of its way, interestingly enough, to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu, even though he was miraculously saved by an Egyptian princess, Moshe Rabbeinu was educated by his mother and his sister. As though to say, if that were not the case, then he would not have been Moshe Rabbeinu, even though Moshe Rabbeinu was born, when he was born, he produced this great light in the room. Okay, light is light. But to be a leader, to be stepped, uh, to be filled with the, with the ideas of, of the tradition, for that you need a mother. I think that's what the Torah says. Today, everything is becoming changed around. <laughs> so I don't know how it will turn out. But that's, what the, that's how I understand the Torah. The Torah, and the Torah said it in a very, um, in, a, in, a, in an odd situation, because everybody knows that the Torah is anti-women. Right? Everybody knows that Judaism is anti-women. Everybody knows, everybody knows all of that. But in spite of that, in spite of that, the Torah takes a very strong stand in favor of mothers. Like who the mother is, who the spouse is. It's all very... In the book of Breshit, it's like if you, dry, if you take the book of Breshit, you find strands of ideas. This is a very powerful idea which I think is uh, uh, supported by mod- modern-day notions uh, you know, they, that say that everything is genetics. So, Vayari Esav ki ra'ot benot kenan, Vayelech Esav al Yishmael. So, Esav went to Yishmael. 
Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Amar, you see Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi? The first line in the Midrash. Notan da'atolit gayer. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, it can't be that Yaesav understood that he had to marry a special woman and he wanted to be in the family and he wanted to get the bracha and he didn't want to be like Yaakov. He wanted him to be like Yaakov. So he calls it Lit Gayer. He goes in there to convert. <coughs> so if he wanted to convert, he was certainly about Shuvah, right? I think. I mean, there's no greater, the ancient world, there would be no greater Shuvah than conversion. And then the major says, Machalat. Machalat, what kind of name is that? So you know the major says, Machalat comes the word Machal. Forgiven, to be forgiven. That's one one woman, right? And basmat. That he his mind straightened out that he was somehow uh, he straightened himself out. So like one opinion says it and another person said it Right? Well maybe it's also uh, Rabbi Shur ben Levi. Omer but Rav Lazar disagrees. He will see it that we shall note. Yafehaya, he says, if he would have kicked out his his the wives he had before he went to Ishmael and sent them away, like Abravid sent away Hagar, he says that would be Yafeh. Ela Almashav. Cave al cave means that he, 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 they were like patches. He, he patched this set of wives on top of the old set of wives, so he didn't really change. He was just doing something formal. He understood that Yitzchak wanted Yaakov to get a wife that was a wife, a special woman. <laughs> so he also went and got such a wife. But he understood Yaakov David didn't have a wife at that time. But he, Yishmael, had many wives. So you see that there's a machloket in the Medrash about the meaning of all this. Rabbi Shur ben Levim said, And then he understands the names of the women, Mochlat and Bosmat, as somehow indicating <coughs> that Aesop straightened himself out. However, there's another opinion in the Medrash, and the other opinion in the Medrash says that Bosmat and Mochlat, the other opinion in the Rabbi Lozo says that he didn't divorce his first wives or send them away, but he just added more wives, so he didn't change the household, he didn't change the nature of the place that he was in. So you see that when it comes to Esau, there's still a problem. And Esau, I mean from the rest of the story of Esau, you understand <coughs> that Esau was never able, was never able to withstand the onslaughts of Yaakov. And when Yaakov came back to Eretz Israel, that's next week's parasha, right? So what does the Torah say? What did Esau do? He arranged all the people. This wife with these children. That wife 
with those children. So who was Esau talking to? Esau was talking to Yitzchak. And he was telling Yitzchak that he built a house that was worthy of inheriting Eretz Yisrael. Because that house was from the house of Besuel. So I know you could ask me, Akasha, Radua, and Zilpa, how did they get this genetic makeup? I don't know. <coughs> but there's no doubt. What difference would it make to, uh, to, to Yaakov? He would have put all the women and children together. Put them in a little corral, all standing there together. What would they have to arrange them for? The Yitzchak, a Yaakov, sorry, Yaakov was interested in announcing to heaven that he had accomplished what Yitzchak wanted him to accomplish, and therefore he was worthy of inheriting Eretz Yisrael. And Esau understood that, because Esau accepted the meager offerings that uh, Yaakov gave him, and you have that kind of imaginary split story between, you know, the angel and fighting with Yaakov Avinu, that somehow Yaakov Avinu had made himself <coughs> into a worthy, uh, into a worthy opponent. So you see, you see that Esau remains a dubious character. And even though there's an opinion in the Medjus that says, Ratzala Hitgayer, apparently that's not what happened. And the way I understand it is that he misunderstood the directive of Yitzchak, which was to go back to the genetic pool of Avram Avinu and find a wife. Instead, <coughs> he understood that what Yitzchak meant was, don't marry a Canaanite woman. And so he, he married non-Canaanite women, the children, the daughters of Yishmael. However, <coughs> he didn't rid himself of his, uh, of his earlier wives. Okay, so there we have, like, that's the foundation of it all. We learned about Yishmael, we learned about Terach, we learned a little about Esau. Now let's see how the shame of Shmuel deals with all of this. Yeah. You mean it would be easy to find them in yeshiva or not easy to find them in yeshiva? Sorry. <laughs> yeshiva is a good place to hide out. Huh? Okay. Look at the Shemi Shmuel. Shemi Shmuel, you know, is the, he was the son of the Aglital, right? The son of the Aglital. What was his name? The reason that it's like interesting to know his name because he has descendants who live today in Maitragan, uh, probably elsewhere, but Sochachev, while it is not alive and well, has not yet completely died out either. So if you meet uh, someone who says he's a, the Sochachev Rebbe or a relative and his name is Bornstein, it's probably true. There are also other relatives of Sochachev named Rappaport. We're also living by Trigan. And uh, so the Shemi Shmuel is the, is the reworking by the son of the father's Torah. Nira She'esav Berisha Hu Mitchilosa Vatsafa. There you have it. He says there's no Tsafek. Esav remains Esav. Kemosha Mitchilosa Lo Regish Ba'atzmo Shum Chisaron. Just like at the, the beginning of his life, when he was born, 
he went out to do whatever he did. He didn't learn Torah. And he felt comfortable with that. Ve'esav shalom. Ha'inu. Shayash shalom shalem Esav was happy with himself, right? All the psychologists understand that. Even bad people can be happy with themselves. That's in the, in the movies on the mafia. You see that. It's also at the end of the end of the story when everything turns out badly for him. He doesn't get anything. Right? His father Yitzchak said to Esav, "You go bring me something to eat." And Esav was sure that that he had won, that he'd become the favorite son. But very quickly, everything turned around for him, and he was <coughs> that Esav wanted to, he came, he came uh, ready to kill his brother. That's what it says in the Pasuk. Esav should have understood that the Shemish rule says, What's the story? The story is the story. If someone had it all, I thought he was going to get everything else that existed in the world, and a minute later he had nothing. That's the story of Esau. He should have realized that it's because of the way he acted. But because he was a bad person. So even though he was losing, he didn't feel it was his fault. He couldn't find blame in himself. And he said in the manner of many men, it's my wife's fault. That's the problem. And therefore it's inconceivable, you know, just like what I tried to explain in the Psukim, but he just says it. He says, it's impossible that my children will be able to be the recipients of the <coughs> of the of the bracha. And that's why Esau came to stand against Yaakov Avinu when Yaakov Avinu came back there to Israel. He thought he had solved his problem. The Pesach in the Brocha, that you will go down and be enslaved to Yaakov. So in other words, at the end of the story, when Yaakov is coming back, so he says, Esau probably thought that Yaakov would be influenced by the house of Betuel. Or, <coughs> or he wouldn't be successful, or he wouldn't be able to kill him. You have to know he didn't divorce his, his earlier wives. 
אלא ודאי חשב להיות כמו דור המבול, שהייתה להם אישה לפיריה לרביל So according to the Shemi Shmuel, the way that Esau understood the issue was that he had wives who did not have the right yichos. They were Canaanite women. And all he had to do was add a few wives and everything would be uh, uh, straightened out. He says, V'zer l'gamrei hefuch madad midat Yaakov sh'yatamid b'inei atzmo b'bchinat akev. And he says, this is the opposite of Yaakov. Yaakov had that quality of a cave. What is a cave? A heel. What's a heel? It's the last thing to come out, or it's the closest thing to the ground. It's the lowest thing that we have, right? Our heels. Our heels make it down to the ground. Moshe Katav, Kvod Katsho Avi, Beferush Nivrei Gemara, והקורא ישראל יעקב אינו עובר בעשי משום דהדרי קרוס. I want to tell you what that Gemara says, because it's very important for understanding all the stories of the Avot. All the stories of the Avot. There's a Gemara in Brochus, I think I was overestimating my ability to see this Gemara. I never, until recently, I never understood why it used to print in this New York Times of people who couldn't see so well, you know, like very big letters. So now I understand it though. Anyway, what does it say in the Gemara? Uh, one second. What does it say in the Gemara? Avram, Avram hu Avraham b'tchila. Naseh av l'adam l'asod, naseh av l'kol ha'olam kulo. So the Gemara says that from the time Avram's name was changed to Avraham, you have to call him Avraham. So let's say you're reading about Kari in the Torah, And he comes up to Avraham, some Avraham in the Torah, and he reads Avraham instead. So you know that it's sometimes tricky to determine whether the Balkari has made a mistake or not. So even though the Balkari has written the, read the wrong word, Avraham instead of Avraham, but we know it's the same person. So what difference does it make? So the Gemara says, no, you have to say Avraham, because if the name change is reflection, is reflexive of an essential change in the person. Avram became Avram, and therefore he had to call him by his right name. And after that, the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Tani ba kapora, kola korela Avraham, Avram, oveba say, 
not only do you have to, but if you read it wrong, then you are violating a mitzvah at say in the Torah. That's what Kodesh Baruch said to Avrabinu, that your name is Avrabinu. How can you read as something else in that place? Another opinion that you are alive. Because it says that there's a person that's over a beloved. So that's about Abraham. <coughs> then the Gemara says that the same thing is true about Sarai. Sarai, her name was changed to Sarah. But after her name was changed to Sarah, that's who she was. She wasn't Sarai. She wasn't Sarah who was once called Sarai. Well, she wasn't Sarai who became Sarah. She was Sarah. And therefore, when her name comes up in the Torah, the Gemara says you have to say Sarah. You can't say, you can't say Sarai. What's the Yotzei min haklal hazeh? Yaakov. Because even though Yaakov's name was changed to Yisrael, Yaakov never lost the Yaakovness of him, of himself. And therefore, you can call him Yaakov. And so the Torah calls him sometimes Yaakov and comes to Israel. And so the Shevi Shmuel says, if you look at Shevi Shmuel now, <coughs> that Esau had a very high opinion of himself. He thought that he'd solved all the problems. They'd taken some wives of the children or the daughters of Yishmael, and therefore the problem was solved. He says, but, Zelegamre hipuch me midat Yaakov. Yaakov is the opposite. Shayatamin bechilat atev. He always thought of himself as being small and limited and problematic and, and, and having a long way to go. But if you call Yisrael Yaakov, the Gemara says you haven't done anything that is prohibited. Bishop the Adre that the Pesach itself goes back and calls him Yaakov again and again. And why does the Pesach call him Yaakov? Because Avraham became Avraham and he wasn't Avraham anymore. And Sarai became Sarai and she wasn't Sarai anymore. But Yaakov, even though it became Yisrael, which is a statement of power, an achievement, an ability, right? That's Yisrael. He never lost that part of himself that was a <coughs> That's what the Eglital said. So it comes down to it. The Shemi Shmuel has to explain how he knows that Esav didn't change. How does he know that Esav remained Esav? and didn't do tshuva, and didn't change his ways. So this he has the same reason, because Esau went, and he was willing to combat Yaakov. So he didn't understand that in order to her- inherit the bracha of Yitzchak, <coughs> in order to find favor in the eyes of the Rebbeinu you had to maintain 
that aspect of our cave and that Asa was never able to do. The Adol cave, he didn't have that quality. The quality able to see himself as small and needing work and having to improve and trying to do something. And that's what the Shemesh rule explains in the name of his father, that even Yaakov, who became Yisrael, and Yisrael is the all-powerful one, the one that Esau wanted to be, in spite of that fact, he retains the name of Yaakov, which is Akev. And Esau, in his confrontation with Yaakov, was unable to imagine that there was something wrong with him that he hadn't achieved what had to be achieved, that he hadn't done what had to be done. <coughs> and so, according to the opinion of the Shem Shmuel, he remains the same Esau that he started out as. So if we had to sum up, we would say that the Rashi teaches us, based on the Medjush, that Terach Nechua, and I tried to explain that once in the Shirim, and that it may be that Yishmael did tshuva, because it says, Vayigva Vayamot, about Yishmael, that he died the death of Tzadikim. But Esau remained a kind of a problem. And the Shem Yishmuel is quite definitive about the fact that Esau remained Esau, who was not because of the tshuva, and that explains why Yaakov, along the way, we try to explain why Yaakov turned out to be worthy of the bracha, which meant receiving and holding on to Eretz Yisrael, and Yaakov, and Esau was not worthy of that bracha and was not able to hold on <coughs> to Eretz Yisrael. Have a good Friday. Is there a thing that didn't have in uh, my... Is I have in my already?